Yeah, so that's the question we're asking throughout this series. Uh, I don't know about you, can you just kind of feel the energy in the room today? Seems like that's up another level. Some of you guys are getting set free. This is awesome. It's cool when a Baptist gets set free, right? Things happen. Get excited, right? You're excited to be here? How many have your shots? How many have your rabies shots? Cool, good. So neither fear of one of those, right? Not fear of COVID or rabies. We're good, All right? I know folks are joining us online. That's cool. Great to have everybody here this morning. Uh, Sam mentioned the South Burleson Interest Meeting. Uh, so if you can join us in Fellowship Hall today, it's going to be great. Just, again, kind of tell you what's going on, what's going to be expected, uh, how you might want to join in. Uh, again, it's just interest meeting. You're not signing on the dotted line yet, uh, unless you want to, and we'll take that for sure. Last week, I challenged you. We're going through this Who's Your One series. And uh, first week, I challenged you to know the neighbors who live around you, their names, their kids' names, their pets' names, um, jobs, all the stuff that they do. Last week, I asked you to get one of these bags out here in the commons area. We have more. These will be out there all the time. Uh, to take this, uh, fill it with something nice, good, encouraging, loving, uh, and then take that to that person God's put on your heart. And they may not live around you. Maybe it's somebody who lives distance or you work with, family. We're not limiting just our neighbors, but we want to be good neighbors. And fill this with something good that you make or, or want to put in there uh, and deliver that. Uh, and they get to keep the bag. Don't take the bag away from them. That would be mean. Right? So this is something they can keep, recycle, and use. And then today we're going to challenge you in a little bit different way. All right? So here's a bag. Uh, here, man. Sit on the front row. You get prizes. Isn't that cool? Good for you. Good job, Paul. It's, for, it's cool to baptize your kid, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great privilege and an honor. So awesome thing. Um, so just kind of remind us, you realize that it was a year ago? A year ago this Sunday that we had our last normal Sunday. Isn't that crazy? It's been a year since COVID-19 changed everything. I remember that Sunday because we'd been in a lot of conversations with staff because it was hard to find seats for people as we were growing using overflow. But if you had more than two people, it was hard to usher you in and find a spot. So I don't know if you remember this. We like roped off the back to encourage people to sit closer to each other. That was great timing, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. What'd it go first? Burleson. Yeah, get us closer. Yeah. In fact, let's just breathe on each other. Let's do that. Thinking like, COVID, pff, come on. Are you serious? No way is this happening. And here we are a year later. Oh, man, is it happening. But coming out, feeling good, vaccines, all that kind of good stuff. So it's, it's exciting, but it's just been a whole, it's been a crazy, crazy year. Uh, but grateful to God for his blessing, continue to pour out favor on our church, adding new members, guests are showing up, financers are doing great, people are serving, loving. Uh, it's, it's a whole different way to do church now, church deployed, but that's who we are and that's who we're going to be. And so this is kind of fits into what we're talking about, what it means to be the church deployed. You are the church, right? You realize that. It's not this place. This is just a facility that the church meets in, but you are the church. Wherever you go, the church goes because that's you. So we talk about that. That's what Who's Your One is all about. Because I don't know about you, but one of the things I've really noticed through this COVID-19 experience is it's just kind of heightened the suffering that exists in the world. And what's weird is a, a world that we've suffered this way together. And maybe there were some feelings like that in World War I, World War II, uh, but it wasn't total world. <laughs> this has been total world. 
And, and so there's fear, there's anxiety, there's suffering, there's death, there's pain. All this stuff has just been heightened. And what it's done for me, it just reminded me the urgency of the church being the church and to share the truth of Jesus. And just let me remind you, the world needs the gospel. Can I get an amen off of that one? You needed it, right? The world needs it. Because there are millions of people in the state you and I once were, dead, in darkness. We need to know that there's a light, and a light that lasts for all of eternity. So that's kind of behind who's your one. And I hope, and I really want to challenge you, because I know it's easy, oh, there's another thing the church is doing, or Ronnie's preaching a series, big whoop. And just kind of blow it off. But if you haven't identified your one yet, I want you really to ask God, God, put that person on my heart you have designed for me to reach. Not save. You can't save them. But you can point them to Jesus. With what you say, with how you live, with what you do, with how you treat them. I mean, we are people of the gospel. So the gospel is not just sharing the Roman road. The gospel is how we live and how we treat others. So I just really want to challenge you. I hope you're not blowing this one off. Because really it is a matter of life and death, eternal life and death for people that you know, work with, go to school with, live with, live in the same neighborhood. That's what it means to be the church on your block. You are the, the outpost. You are the bright light in a dark world. And what we've seen recently is there's a lot of darkness in this world and now maybe more than ever because of the suffering that people experience. Another interesting thing about this time of year, and you may have already started to receive these, it's a time we get a lot of invitations, right? College graduation, high school graduation, kindergarten graduation. A lot of weddings take place in the summer, so we get invitations to weddings and showers and anniversaries. So we're bombarded with invitations. And that's cool because we realize when you, someone sends you an invitation, they want you to be a part of a life event with them. So it shows relationship, it shows intimacy, it shows love, it shows care. Hey, I want you to be there to celebrate this with me. And that's cool. Now, a lot of times it's expected we're going to bring a gift, right? But we do that because we love the person. We want to celebrate. We want to, we want to bless that person with something. Another cool invitation is when somebody wants to take us somewhere or, or, or do something for us. Like somebody wants to invite you to a Mavericks game, you know, go, go sit on the floor at the Mavericks game or, or to a play or to a concert. That's cool, but it's even more cool when you, you get a gift for doing it, right? Like you get a, a Luca bobblehead or something, right? So, yeah, I want to go to the Mavericks game, but I get a bobblehead. That's cool. I'm putting that on my dashboard. Okay, maybe you don't, but you, Luca, Mavericks, basketball, anybody here with me? Donchick, Anybody? Okay, all right. Man, you guys, you just kind of like lost your freedom. What is going on? Right? Or you get a free concert T-shirt. That's cool. Yeah, first 200, get this. Yeah, all right, I want to go. But yeah, as a gift, is more awesome. Adds a little extra to it, doesn't it? Well, this morning, we're going to talk about invitation. And I want to ask you, what is the greatest invitation you've ever received? An invitation to something, an event, experience that changed your life. You still talk about it. 10, 15, 20 years later. You still remember the details as if it were yesterday. What's the greatest invitation you have ever received? What is the greatest invitation you've ever given? Here's where I'm going to get spiritual on you. 
the greatest invitation we can ever give is for someone to claim Jesus as the leader and forgiver of their life. That really is, on the eternal spectrum, the greatest invitation we can offer anyone. To, to point people to Jesus, to introduce, someone to introduce someone to Jesus, is the greatest invitation, introduction we can ever make. So let me ask you this. Have you ever invited anyone to Jesus? Have you ever offered the invitation through your story, the Roman road, whatever means you used, to invite someone, hey, would you like to ask Jesus to be the leader and the forgiver of your life? Have you ever gotten to that point? I'm not even talking about if they said yes or no, just have you gotten to that point? Because I think if we are a disciple of Christ and we've never done that, that says something about us. That maybe we're not the disciple we thought we were. Because we're going to see in our story today that when you meet Jesus, it's only natural to want to tell somebody about him. And if that's not coming natural to us, there's a problem. And it's not with God, it's with us. Now, we have all kinds of excuses, and well, I'm an introvert, I, I, I don't care, no excuses. There's not a list of excuses listed in Scripture for those who decide they really don't want to share Christ. So today we're going to look at the story of Philip and Nathaniel. Now, if you know the background, Philip became a disciple of Jesus, and the first thing he did was went and find his friend Nathaniel to tell him that he met the Messiah. If you have your Bible, the story is in John chapter 1. Beginning with verse 43. You got, you got to see this. John chapter 1, beginning with verse 43. It's, it's, it's mind-blowing how simple this is. John writes these words. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. That's it. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, Philip said. Come and see. I have met him. Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, he truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. So he's a good person. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You'll see greater things than that. He then added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open." And the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Three things I want you to take home today. The first one is many people will come to Jesus when you invite them to. The second thing is the invitation we give to people is truly a divine appointment. Like this story, Jesus is waiting for them. The Bible says God desires that no one perish. Jesus is waiting. He's waiting for the introduction, waiting for that invitation. The third thing is that the invitation we extend to people, it will change their lives. It will have an impact. 
So I hope today that you and I will commit to being an intentional witness to share the things that we know about Jesus, to share the things we've experienced about Jesus, to share that we have met him. That's a witness, right? What we know and what we see. Even if you don't have a Bible verse memorized, you can tell somebody what you know about Jesus, what you have experienced. The truth is most people will never come to Jesus unless someone invites them. I read some stats the other day that says 96% of people who come to Christ come because someone invited them to come. Someone invited them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Just made that connection, made that invitation. 96% of people who come to Christ did so because someone said, hey, I would like to introduce you to Jesus. The stats also said that 20%, 20%, only 20% of believers will invite another believer to church. Well, that's the most simple thing, right? Another believer? Hey, you don't have a church home? I'd love you to go to church with me. That's the most basic. Why would that be a threat? Why would only 20% of Christians invite another Christian to church? Blows my mind. Only 2% of professing disciples of Jesus will ever invite an unchurched or unsaved person to church. Not even to Jesus, just to church. Come and see. Come and experience. Come with me. Only 2% of Christians? Are you kidding me? How more basic, more simple can we get? How non-threatening can that be? I want you to come to church. Our worship band is amazing. You can endure the sermon, but the music is killer, right? People are great. I want you to meet my friends. Why why only 2%? After becoming a disciple, Philip automatically goes. It's new, it's fresh, he's got passion. His life just got changed. I want want my bestie, I want my best friend, I want my BFF to know what I know. Hey, Nathaniel, you've heard the story about Jesus. The prophets talked about him. He's all throughout the Old Testament. Guess what? I just met him. I, I I just decided to follow him. You've got to come see this guy. You, you've, got to, you've got to hear what he has to say. You've got to look him in the eyes. This dude is amazing. Why would we not want to do that for people we care about? How can we not? How selfish of us. If we're not willing to share, to point him to Jesus. Well, what if they don't pray and ask Jesus to be the leader and forgive their lives? You haven't failed. You've done your part. That's all Jesus asks. Go and tell somebody. See, that's where we get lost, right? Well, I'm I'm a failure because they didn't give their life to Christ. No, you're successful because you shared. That's all you've got to do. Text, tweet, postcard, conversation, invitation. There's tons of ways we could do this. A bag, cookies, 
steaks. I guess you could say that Nathaniel was Philip's one. <laughs> this is before who's your one, but he was the one. Nathaniel, the story of Nathaniel reminds us that people are looking, they're searching for answers. I mean, especially coming through this whole COVID-19 experience. People realize everything that I put on earth to make me secure and hopeful can be taken away in a moment's notice. There's nothing that I have amassed in my great wealth that provides security in difficult times. There's nothing that sustains me. There's nothing that's everlasting. The world is ripe for the, for the gospel. I don't know why God allowed all this, but I know one thing that is possible. The world is ready to hear some good news, which is greater than a vaccine. Praise God for the vaccine, but praise God for eternal life. Come on. Bible says the field is white unto harvest. That means people are right there. They're on the edge. They're ready. They just need someone to invite them. They just need someone to tell them. They are at the bottom. They're hurting. They're dying. They need to be rescued. With just a word, they'll receive. I got to tell you, as a Christian, one of the greatest joys is to be able to hear Someone that you share faith with give their life to Christ. It's like those Lay's potato chips. You can't do just one. <laughs> Once you experience that, I, 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 want, I want more. I want to see more people come to Christ. Philip and Nathaniel were friends, and that was significant. That's why I think relational evangelism. That's why this whole focus, who's your one, is about building relationship with those who are far from God, not seeing them as a number or a statistic, but real life people that Jesus died to save, people made in the image of God, just like you and me. And so we build relationships, first of all, to know, let them know we care about them, we love them, and the reason that we do is because God loves them and he loves us. And the truth is, and what this shows us, people will accept the hard to believe if it comes from someone they trust. People will accept the hard to believe that there's a God, that there's a God who died for them. They'll accept this hard to believe if it comes from someone they trust. That's relationship, right? You may remember two years ago, about this time, actually it was the first Sunday of spring break, for those who were here, uh, I made the statement, the challenge that day was when you leave, you're going to get an envelope. And in that envelope, there's going to be a $100 bill. And that was the investment challenge where we asked you to go invest that $100 and bring that back plus more. And we got to bless some ministries in our area and other churches in our area. And I know that when I said, hey, you're going to walk out and get an envelope full of money, there were some of you who did not believe me because you don't know me. <laughs> so you walked out and, you, and some people said, oh, I don't want the envelope. That's crazy. <laughs> and so you go, like, $100, I thought it was a dollar. Well, those people do know me, but $100, right? It's significant. And that was a cool experience. But you could believe that that was going to happen because you trust me. We have that relationship. People will believe the hard to believe when it comes from someone they trust. Even Nathaniel, he wasn't sure about Jesus. Can anything good come from Nazareth? But he trusted Philip. So he knew Philip was not going to lie to him or lead him astray. 
The second thing is that this invitation we make, it is a divine appointment. It will change their lives. Jesus told Nathaniel, I was waiting for you. How, how did you know me? I was waiting for you. I saw you under the fig tree. I was waiting for you to come to see me. Jesus is still waiting for people. The invitation is still there. Jesus is still waiting for that person you know, that one on your heart, that guy you work with, that girl you go to school with. He's still waiting for them to accept his invitation. He's looking to you to make it. Philip played a vital role here. He was excited about Jesus, and he told his friend. And the truth is, every invitation we make is planting a seed. Statistics tell us that it takes about seven to ten gospel connections, whether it's a verse or a gospel song or a sermon or whatever, seven to ten gospel connections before someone will give their life to Christ. Now, some people do it first time. That's awesome, but that's rare. Seven to ten. So you may be number five, right, in those gospel presentations, and it may be number seven that gets to see them or hear them pray the prayer or lead them through the prayer or maybe number nine, number 10. But what I want you to see is you're part of that process. You haven't failed because they didn't pray. After graduating college, there was about a month or so before Robin and I were getting married and I'd applied to a couple of churches for youth positions, student ministry positions, uh, about to head to seminary. I didn't have a job, she didn't have a job. We're gonna live on love, (laughs) right? And so during that time, my dad was working for Sampac Ford in Carrollton and so he got me a job working in the warehouse, which I was grateful. Uh, And so there was a guy there, Bo. Bo was about my age and I think about age 15, 16, he got kicked out of his house, had a rough home life. He was homeless for a while. He was living in kind of a dumpy apartment now. you know, drug user, smoker, heavy drinker, just we got to know each other. Bo was a nice guy, just living a rough life. And so we'd eat lunch together and, you know, he knew what I was going to do. And he had a lot of questions about ministry and church and God and that kind of stuff. And so I would share my faith. I would share my testimony. I said, Bo, what's keeping you from giving your life to Christ? Why would you not ask Jesus to be the leader and forgive you of your life? Well, I got too much to live. I got too much going on. I, w- I want to I sow my wild oats. I want to live my life before I do anything like, you know, the excuses we always hear. So one day I asked Bo, Bo, are you ready to give your life to Jesus? No, I'm not ready yet. I'm not, no, I'm, I'm really not interested right now. Well, that month came and went. We got married. I got a job at a church, and I never saw Bo again. About 10 years later, we're over at my parents' house, and it's a Saturday, and Dad says, hey, you remember Bo from the warehouse when you were there? I said, oh, yeah, yeah, I hadn't thought about him in years. Well, he came by the office yesterday, and uh, he was going around visiting folks that he'd worked with before, and he stopped by my office, and he said, hey, um, next time you see Ronnie, would you just tell him that a year ago, I gave my life to Christ. And I'm in a church, and I'm being discipled, and, you know, I never told him thank you for telling me about Jesus, but I never forgot it, and it meant a lot, and it took a while. But I finally invited Jesus to take control of my life. Man, I would have loved to have been there to hear him pray, but I can rejoice because I got to be a part. 
And one day, Bo and I will spend eternity in heaven together, not working in a warehouse. (laughs) Every seed you plant is a success. Every conversation you have is a success. Every invitation you give is a success. We, We get in our head that we're only successful if the person prays. No, no, no. That's not up to you. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Even if they reject Christ, you've done your part. Let's do our part because the world needs the gospel. So I want to offer five different types of invitations for you to consider. One is a neighbor night, and I'll talk about that in just a minute. You'll get some more details. The second is Easter services. Easter is coming up April the 4th, so just a few weeks away. And right now, our schedule is this. We'll have two Easter services on Saturday night, Saturday afternoon, actually, at 4.30. We'll have a modern here and a traditional down in Worship West at 4.30. This will be an all-mask, all-sanitized, all-safe service. For those who are still concerned about that, we'll have that at 4.30. Child care from birth through kindergarten. Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, We'll have two services at 9.30, traditional and modern here, child care, birth through kindergarten. We'll have two services at 11, traditional and modern, child care, birth through kindergarten. We'll also have our 11 o'clock Spanish service up in the Merge on Easter Sunday. Seven services for you to invite your one or more than your one. I hope that we're packed. We're going to keep distance. We'll have it set up like this. We'll have sanitizing stations. You can wear a mask if you want. You have to on Saturday, Sunday, if you feel comfortable doing that. Or maybe it's online. Folks not ready to come back, then let's do church at your house. Take your TV out in the garage, put it on the patio, put it in the driveway, have people in your home. Still invite people to Easter services online. That's, we're the church deployed. We're always going to be doing this, right? So we're providing many opportunities on Easter for you to invite those people that God has put on your heart. Please do that. Next Sunday, we'll give you invitation cards that you'll be able to invite them. You can invite people to a worship service. Our worship services are awesome. It's non-threatening. They'll come in. It'll be a great experience. Invite them to your life group. We need more life groups. We need more off-campus life groups. That's a non-threatening thing, right? Invite, invite your one over to my house. Hey, I've got some friends coming over tonight. Love to have you come and join us. Uh, on a driveway, patio in your house. we got life groups meeting in pastures. Not pastures, pastures, fields, right? I don't know what it says about those life groups, but it says something. It says they're awesome and creative. Right? So you can invite people to that. That's a small group, easy to get to know folks. And to a church event. We have all kinds of church events that are designed to have you invite people. It's not churchy. It's not threatening. But they'll be introduced to people who live the gospel. That's the simplest form, the most non-threatening thing you can do. And then follow up those experiences with a spiritual conversation by simply asking your neighbor, your friend, so what did you think? 
Tell me the good, bad, and the ugly. What, what was that experience like for you? Hey, let me tell you why I go to church. Let me tell you why I go to Easter services. Let me tell you why a life group is important to my life. It sounds really simple, doesn't it? 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Remember the Boy Scout motto, always be prepared. I mean, let's invite people to things, but let's be prepared to, to, to go a little bit further. Come on, we're not, most of us are not baby Christians. We're, we're mature in the faith, so we can take it up a notch. We can invite them, but then can we just say, hey, what was that like for you? Let me tell you why. Let me tell you my story. Here's a couple of thoughts. Share your story. What your life was like before you met Christ, how you met Christ, and how Christ has changed your life. Simple formula of sharing your story, yet there's power in it, and God will use it. One verse evangelism. If I'm not good at memorizing verses. Memorize Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That's it. You can talk for hours off that. We were dead in our sins. We deserve to be eternally separated from God because of our disobedience. God has a gift that is free. Can't earn it, can't buy it, but you have to take it. You have to receive it. Simple. We can all do this, right? Basic. So the challenge that I have for you is to invite that one that God's put on your heart that Jesus is waiting for, that Jesus wants to save, to invite them to a neighbor night or Easter services. Neighbor night is this, simply inviting that one or neighbors, invite your neighbors over to your driveway. Hey, make some cookies. We're going to have cookies and milk, soy milk if you got those kind of neighbors, right? Whatever. Just come over with some cookies and punch or, or Kool-Aid. We're going we're to be outside just hanging out. The weather's great. No more snowmageddon. We can do this, right? Or, hey, um, I, I got my... My grill outside, we're going to grill burgers and hot dogs. Come on by. You guys bring the chips, the mustard, the drinks, whatever. Let's just hang out and just kind of get to know each other better. Let's play some yard games. You guys know cornhole, right? Everybody loves cornhole, right? I, I would suggest not doing lawn darts. That can be dangerous unless you're pretty accurate, which most of you don't seem to be. So be careful. But just come over, croquet. We're going to do stuff out in the yard. We're going to play uh, dominoes. We're going to play cards, um, whatever. You know, just kind of hanging out. Bring out your fire pit. Hey, we're going to do s'mores. We're going to have a fire pit. We'll have an extinguisher close by, a water hose, whatever. But we're just, going to, we're just going to hang out. Let's just hang out. Let's just be neighbors. You don't have to share a devotional. You don't have to share a Bible verse. You don't have to preach a sermon. Just love thy neighbor. Let's pray. Jesus, would you just remind us every day that the world needs the gospel? Would you regularly take us back to the moment that we gave our lives to you? And like Philip, we were filled with passion and excitement and we wanted to tell the world about you. 
We want to make sure that our mom and our dad is going to go to heaven. Our brother and our sister was going to go to heaven. We wanted to make sure that our best friend was going to go to heaven. Our aunts, our uncles, our grandparents. We wanted to make sure that all the people we know, love, and care about know that you love and care about them too. Jesus, don't let us lose that passion. Don't let us lose that sense of urgency. Philip didn't waste any time. Right after meeting you, he found Nathaniel. There are Nathaniels all around us. You've put Nathaniel on our heart. That's the one. Help us to invite them to one of those things, but not stop there. Help us not to give up on our one, even if they reject you. To keep praying, to keep asking, to keep inviting. God, help us to see this is serious. This is life or death. Eternal life in heaven or eternal suffering in hell. That's what's on the line. That's what's at stake. And we say that we love these people. We've got to show it. God, we ask you to save the people we love. The Nathaniels, the Bows, <laughs> save them all.